David, what's the thing? I did the thing. Albert knows about the thing that I did. What'd you do? Uh, I did the ice cream thing. Wait, you did? You got all 31? Did you sample them or did you pay like... 32 child size scoops. Every flavor. Wait, what's a child size scoop? Two and a half ounces. <laughs> Shot measurement? Um, do yeah. they have a special scooper? Like a different sized? They did have a different scooper. So... Like me and like 10 of my friends descended on this suburban uh, Baskin Robbins. <laughs> there was just like one teenager behind the counter. And I came in with my own bowl and spoon, mind you. <laughs> my own like mixing bowl. And, Did you bring like a salad bowl or a mixing bowl? Okay. Yeah, I brought a mixing bowl and I was like, hey, I've got kind of a strange request here. Uh, I want to eat one of every of every flavor it's my 32nd birthday <laughs> i know there are 31 flavors and she goes like oh actually we have 32 flavors and i'm like get out get out <laughs> get the fuck out says, of here like, okay the whole the the regular size scoop is four ounces the child size scoop is two and a half and he's like oh you get free scoops on your birthday so like can i just ring this up for you as a large shake i was like yes yes you can so she was <laughs> excited about this like this oh, was she was really excited about it this was the event of the day inside the particular Baskin Robbins 31 Flavors franchise that you entered. The most haunting thing that David said to me about this yesterday was he said, I was just so cold. <laughs> I was so cold. It was five pounds of ice cream in the dead of winter. He's made of strong stuff, our David. It was a lot. I mean, when I first saw the bowl, I was like, there's no way. There's no way I can do this. It's 80 ounces. Wait, you went with 10 it's friends and you didn't get help? No, I ate it all myself. Just, <laughs> that wasn't the... Did they get anything or did they just sit there and watch you? Some of them got ice cream, but most people just sat and watched. Like they came for the spectacle. They came for the spectacles. There was two parts. Like I invited everyone ice skating up at this like high mountain lake that's really fun. And then also you could come watch me eat uh, 32 scoops of ice cream. I don't know if... One person... Showed up for the ice skating. Ten people showed up to watch me eat the ice cream. I mean, I would go to see this happen. Yeah, it, it took me about an hour. Um, I posted some pictures there in the Slack if you want to see it. I'll, I'll put these on the website, too, because I have no shame. Did, did you do this outside to try to retain the cold temperature of the ice cream? No, I thought they had outdoor seating, but they didn't. So we just all like crammed all the tables together and sat like it was the last supper while I was there. <laughs> it could have been your last supper and that was the thought that i had of just like (laughs) it'd be really funny if i died right now this would be a very on-brand way to go i started shivering and i couldn't like feel my hands all that well (laughs) and i was a little bit like faint towards the end and i was just kept like scooping up like the ice cream soup and like slurping it and i would get like chunks of like cookie dough and brownie batter and like peanuts and stuff and by the end, my friends were like, you did it. You, ha- you can stop eating the soup. We're going to say that you won. We're going to say that you got it. I was like, I didn't eat it all. Like, no, stop eating. But I, uh, I, I did it. I have witnesses. I have video evidence of it. Uh, one of my friends who was there was a, uh, like, placed at D3 Nationals for cross country, and he said it was the most impressive athletic feat that he had seen in person ever. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I'm very proud of myself. I've, I've got to have a lot to top for, for next year for 33. As you should be. Happy birthday, David. 
Welcome back to Blowout. We got Albert and Reed and me here today. How are we doing, fellas? Doing great. Doing great. Now we're doing well. I'm glad to hear that. As you know, uh, if you think some people that listen to this are religious about their denim, move over. Dutch brand and frequent subject of this podcast, G-Star Raw, has made a set of monk outfits or habits for the Trappist monks. Have, have you heard about this? Have you seen this? <laughs> you always ask us that. It's like, yeah, I've seen it in the outline for the episode. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I didn't get yes. an even chance to look at the outline, so no. Uh, I, I hadn't so, seen no. this until I like, literally opened it up to find the link, and that's why uh, I'm monk core today. But... Uh-oh. Trappist also somehow like this entire thing sounds made up. Like mm-hmm. Trappist sounds like, like I don't even know, like like some like produ- trap house monks. Oh no, I was gonna say it's like some like producing crew, like production crew, like the runners turn into the Trappists. <laughs> well, well, Trappists make great beer, you know. Do, do they? So yeah. they claim and beer cheeses. Mm-hmm. We got a. a a source here from a new uh, a new publication for uh, for blowout, which is Crux Now, which is a religious news source uh, of quote taking the Catholic pulse. Crux Now here says the well known jeans brand G Star Raw has designed a special habit for the Trappist of Koningshoven Abbey in the Netherlands, one made of sustainable denim. G-Star Raw entered into a collaboration with the Trappist because both parties have sustainably, sustainability high on their agenda, the company said in a statement. For example, recycling of water and raw min- minerals is important in the production uh, process of the monk's beer. G-Star also applies this circular approach by, for example, working with recycled materials and designing for reuse. So, you know, there's, there's some synergies here between the laic world and the holy world. Um. The habit is made entirely out of cradle-to-cradle gold-certified denim. Fabric contains 100% organic cotton, dyed without the use of harmful chemicals, and is washed without wasting a single drop of water. Uh, so yeah, this, this was made from an ancient pattern uh, in the habit that was uh, recorded in a handwritten book 80 years ago, which I don't really equate ancient with 80 years but this is what they said with uh the cmo of g star gwenda van vliet who i believe we have quoted before on the on the show <laughs> Gwenda van vliet um, uh brother isaac prior to of the dutch trappist abbey and director of Bless la you. trap trappist brewery also thinks the uh, cooperation is successful. As far as we are concerned, these habits and the sustainable fabric they are made of stand for the respect for the planet and the people who inhabit it. That is fully in line with our monastic way of life in which doing good for people and the earth is pivotal. Uh, I find the fact that this is made from something that doesn't pollute further, uh, but is produced in a very sustainable way, very encouraging, he said. Well, that's nice. I feel like we've reached like peak collaboration partners like when you have like fucking denim brand and abby and the the last like collab that we mentioned g stuff for was their one with snoop dog that they went immediately <laughs> from snoop dog to monks uh trappist monks to be fair there could have been something in between might just not well, have hit our register like for, a habit if, if you get all of your news purely from listening to us this is all that they've done or from crux now uh to be fair <laughs> 
um, <laughs> noted noted purveyor of of big stories. Yeah, do you think Crux now was into the do it with your booty collab? <laughs> they covered that on Crux later. <laughs> they wore test. They did a wear test on their YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, how does your your ass look in this this habit? That's what I want to know. Mm. Wait, did it say they were selling these, or they just made them for them? I believe they just made them for them. That's so fortunate. It, I just like I. <laughs> I didn't want to see a lookbook with a habit. There's no more comfortable pant than no pant and a habit and mules or whatever, you know, back yeah, but you would, shoes. You'd have to like go like peekaboo shit just to take a piss. Like you'd have to fold that thing over your face. I mean, you could bunch it up, but like. Yeah, you bunch it up and you tuck it under your chin. Every time? Mm-hmm. Every Doesn't time. Doesn't that sound exhausting? <laughs> Wait, I don't re- know. I mean, like you don't have to undo a fly and redo a fly. You just pick it up. And Reed, have you received your union suit yet? No. Oh, okay. Someone has it. Just made me think of that. Someone has it. <laughs> that would be my favorite. One. They're like, fuck it, I'm <laughs> opening this package. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> you see someone on the street in your old neighborhood wearing a suit. Hey, that's suit. mine! That's my union suit. <laughs> see one of the dogs that... Many, like, just curly-haired dogs in the neighborhood. What color was it? Red? It was red. red. Of course it was red. Do you only own red union suits or have you like ventured into some of the more like the, the softer colors? I only own red. I would consider like a hickory stripe or a mattress ticking. What about a raw denim one? You wouldn't just go like you wouldn't go like off white. Is that too like undergarmentsy? I mean, I'd have to bleach it. <laughs> you and your bleach. Yeah. And I'd get all this ice cream all over it. No, you've you've proven yourself to be a an impeccably clean eater. Uh, that shirt, that's what I should have. That shirt worn was brilliant white. Like I mean, Thank yeah, you. that would have given you a little bit more room. But it seems like you took it all into account. Mm-hmm. Thank you. But I mean, back to G Star. I think handling <laughs> these kind of collabs for a major brand is like kind of my ideal job. <laughs> of like, you just get to find weird people. Of like, yeah, we make some jeans for you. We don't have to make any money. Why not? Just yeah, habits. You like this, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe the monks don't want to wear habits anymore maybe they just wanted a pair of jeans you know they're making beer you know they need like something functional for that work they're still in like 2011 IPA core uh, <laughs> with their like gingham shirts and uh, like mustache wax and uh, <laughs> like sleeve stays <laughs> sure yeah and does I do think this is neat, but it also does feel a little profane, I think, for monks to be wearing mass-produced name-brand clothing, even if they did mm. make it for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're already selling maybe, beer. They are selling beer, so I guess like they're already part of the world, and they can use their like money that they got from selling beer to make like to buy clothes. But I don't know. I enjoy the like shaker type like monk tradition where you got to make it all yourself from square one where like you grow the Mm. cotton, spin the yarn, weave the fabric, which is sort of what they do with the beer. But Martin Luther over here. What about the fades they're going to get on this thing? Maybe. How do you fade a habit? I don't know. Where's the stress points going to be on a habit? I mean, like maybe on, on the belt. Yeah. On the belly. Just belt it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You figure they'll wash it a lot. It'll just fade even. And well, you, you're not going to get like the, 
whisker and no combs, but just get nice, like, I guess, like, look, there's some creases the way that dude's got it belted. Mm-hmm. You belt it the same every time. Yeah, but if you want those high contrast habit fades, you're going to have to work pretty hard. This has also made me think of like, are there any other brand slash religious sect crossovers that we think would make sense? It's like the most obvious one, and maybe this is too soon, is Heaven's Gate and Nike. Not too soon, but still in poor taste. (laughs) No, I mean, I think I make like a Heaven's Gate Nike joke once a week. (laughs) Not on this pod, just in general. We also did a whole episode on Tony Alamo, like denim jackets and the cult behind making those denim jackets. Yeah, I feel like you could do some like Burt, like Burt could do. Uh, I mean, I guess like didn't Con- like Kanye or like, like so like either Yeezy or Gap do <laughs> stuff for like whatever, whatever was going on at the Wyoming compound. Oh, right. I think so. Yeah, they were they were totally starting a cult there, weren't they? I mean, I don't know if they were totally. He was cult-like. They had um, a lot of cult properties. They sold the property. Cult adjacent? Yeah, properties, property is gone, though. Uh, no, I mean, Nike and Heaven's Gate, but I don't think Nike would make the Heaven's Gate shoes. They just bought the shoes. You can't buy the shoes Oh, no, anymore. yeah, Nike had no involvement in, like, I bet wishes they did not wear Nikes. There. No, you can't buy those anymore. I think it's, like, the decades. <laughs> The n- oh, they discontinued them. No, like yeah. this is how often I like my insane ass references them. I think it's called the Nike decade in the black and white colorway. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Albert's like, what and, the and, fuck is wrong with this? And dude? David, um, that's the issue with being the collab, you know, initiator for a, a, a religious sect, because you never know if your project could go full heaven's gate. And then here it's on your ass. And <laughs> we got to retire this iconic sneaker because a thousand people died. In it. it wasn't that. I mean, but you have no control over the way they're styled in those yeah, pictures. Yeah. Sitting U S congressmen were murdered <laughs> by people wearing it. different, completely different. That's Jonestown. Uh, heaven's gate was, that was, that was, oh, that was the same thing. Wasn't it? No, no. David, okay. get it together. Yeah, know your cults, maybe, maybe I'm not qualified for this job yet. See, dude, no, yeah, Jonestown. Yeah, different, different thing. Um, I have no idea if they wore Nikes. There's a great Heaven's Gate doc on HBO that I would recommend. They use the Green Bay G, which I thought was always a tough break for Green Bay, but you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> religious collapse. Yeah, if you have any other uh, religious sect, not e- not necessarily even cults. Uh, brand crossovers is like I feel like there's some synergy between Haversack and the Branch Davidians don't ask me why <laughs> what explain yourself I said don't ask me why okay <laughs> I just I like the idea of Haversack making it to Waco um, <laughs> yeah just like somehow some it's just kind of breezy not too like formal like uh, like blur a little bit safari kind of looking I mean blurs tones Blurms could for sure be some cult wear. Like if you if you just went neutrals on those. Um, but like non-cult wear is harder. Like I feel like Tivas could get together with some like some monks of some fashion and provide some like just functional footwear, you know? Like you could still go mm-hmm. open toe, but be a lot more comfortable on your feet. Mm-hmm. You know, like <laughs> Maybe they, there'd be more monks and nuns if there were more streetwear and fashion collabs in it for them. 
Maybe that you can get like the one of one. You have to like devote yourself to the monastery to get this drop. Yeah, we're talking long con. Lines of people around the block to shave their head <laughs> and renounce all their worldly possessions so they can get just one worldly possession. Could be cool. Okay, maybe uh, maybe we'll do that next. <laughs> get the space shoes. Maybe we'll make those again. I want to. Uh, everyone start tweeting at the the new owner of uh a pf and maybe we can make it happen we have to stop attacking new balance on our podcast and website not gonna happen (laughs) space shoes now new balance space shoes now all right well changing gears here uh we've got some business news that came through of you know nobody stays cool forever nobody should stay cool forever and it seems like that day may have come for uh which was uh, this week when French fashion conglomerate LVMH, or the Louis Vuitton Group, took a minority share of the company. Which, honestly, congratulations to them for like getting the bag before uh, everything completely nosedived. Like, can't really blame them, but uh, we got some, some info here from Business of Fashion. LVMH Luxury Ventures, the French luxury conglomerate arm dedicated to investing in small creative brands, has taken a minority stake in the New York-based label Ame Leon Doré for an undisclosed sum. The streetwear brand was founded in Queens, New York by entrepreneur and creative director Teddy Santis in 2014. Since then, its preppy-infused designs have gained traction, reflecting a wider rediscovery of a style that was once a driving force in urban fashion. Uh... Let's see, uh, in recent years, Ami Leondore's unique blend of elevated urban Americanas attracted partnerships the likes of Woolrich and Clark's heritage brands seeking to reach a younger, trendier audience. Santos was named creative director of New Balances, made in USA line last year. Uh, ALD will continue to operate independently out of its NYC offices while receiving support and guidance from LVMH, the company said. Uh, so, Dean, this is sort of Fashion business 101, if you're cool and small, someone less cool and big will eat you whether you like it or not. And yeah, lucky for Teddy Santos and his people, they got some money first. Um, and maybe I'm completely cynical here, but I soon will it would expect LVMH to start looking for a return on their investments and like cutting corners on production, using cheaper suppliers, raising prices and you know, hollow out all the stuff that ALD did to earn the customers in the first place. Um, so LVMH can like lose those customers at a scientifically predetermined rate to maximize their profit. Or am I just super cynical and uh, have been looking at this stuff too long? I mean, Supreme stuff goes on sale now. Yeah. So they weren't uh, LVMH. It was uh, Carlisle Group, right? No, they're VF Corp now. Originally oh, Carlisle right, yeah. Group, and then VF Corp just came in over the top, and like, was it Jurassic Park where like the fish eats the fish, and then the big fish eats the other fish? Kind of like one of yeah. those situations. Um, yeah, yeah, it was Phantom a- Menace. Is that what it was? <laughs> that is the Phantom Menace. <laughs> very, Phantom very- <laughs> <laughs> there's well, always a bigger fish. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, I. Probably, although I feel like LVMH has a concerted interest in keeping this somewhat, not somewhat, like they have a concerted interest in keeping it incredibly cool 
And it seems like they're doing pretty good numbers at this point already. And so maybe it'll be like a slower rate than what happened at Supreme. Like, I don't think we'll see like Shrek collaborations, mm -hmm. like signing up with DreamWorks to make some shit. But like, you know, I, I assume, yeah, at some point you're going to need to like, they're, they're shareholders now. Yeah. It is a publicly traded thing that needs to provide a return and yeah, has to justify it with graphs. I mean, you know, I think I think David, you're right. I mean, just the I the I think you're both right in some some way, but I think it's yeah, it's it could be it's just a matter of how fast it loses the DNA. You know, it could be it could be really fast. It could take years, but I think, you know, you can only but I think it's smart to kind of like sell you know, make some money off it now because you can't sustain this kind of like cool guy brand forever. There's there is always going to be a bigger fish, or just a, the seasons change, and it's not what people want to see anymore. Oh, I would say we just don't know how much, like what the stake is either. You know, like it could be yeah. ten, it could be ten percent, which goose their value anyway, right? Like you start making it real at that point. If you decide ten percent mm -hmm. is worth a hundred million dollars or some shit, and then you know you you just the brand's worth a billion dollars based on that valuation or something. So it's like probably kind of scary in some capacity but like in yeah you got i i feel like we were like part of like the last like poison brain generation that was like you can't sell out in a capitalist society right mm -hmm. and it's just like now i feel like it's just like make your money i guess like it's not unless the mm -hmm. things aren't changing like it sucks in some way right like but LVMH might have an interest in opening more stores. Who knows? You know, you might get three more stores or something like that instead of just the one. Or, um, And maybe their production gets better. Who knows? Like, they certainly know how to make things well at uh, LVMH, but do they decide to do so? Do they think it's worth it to do so? Um, it's not going to be a creative person making that decision. Well, I think point. it's just, there is going to be a vest, to some extent, there's going to be an interest in getting the product to his getting as many people to buy it as possible, right? And I think that would involve lowering the price and the quality to some extent. Is it possible for a brand like ALD to survive without being gobbled up by a big conglomerate or just getting muscled out by a big conglomerate? Um, the only one I can think of that sort of like rides that mid-tier size uh, has been Noah. Um, but I have no idea what's going on in the, the finances behind that company. And uh, Brendan got poached by J. Crew, so who knows what's going on there? Uh, yeah, I mean, is Noah in kind of in good graces still? I think there's a sweet spot. I know what you mean, Albert. Like, I don't know yeah. if it's as... Yeah, have they lost it at this point, too? Which is like, yeah. I don't know if like a, like a Noah logo hoodie carries as much like like weight with the people you'd right. like theoretically want it to carry weight with. Like some people just like the hoodie construction because they're a great hoodie. But I think there was like a yeah. time when like that was like a fairly strong signifier. And it's like, I don't know if it's like exactly saying what, what it was like hoping to, you know, I think they still make great shit regardless of, of like logo placement. You know, I think like mm -hmm. some, like if you go in there, they've got like these like cashmere CPO shirts that are fucking nuts. They're like $1,400, but uh, they're insane. They're so cool. Um, and I think mm -hmm. their footwear, like the collaborations they do are awesome and stuff. You know, I mean, the only other like U.S. retailer that I know that's like heavy into Solovair. So, um, but I think there's like a sweet, I think like 316 
is kind of like in a, in a sweet spot in the sense where it's like they don't seem to overproduce. They have a dedicated fan base that wants what they make, you know, like, and I don't mean that like, Mm -hmm. like they're like, it's like, it's just like they keep their fam, like the fans, their like loyal customers engaged Mm -hmm. with the stuff they're making and they Mm -hmm. switch it up enough, but keep it familiar enough. And I think like that size, it's like two storefronts, right. And only a few wholesale accounts. And Mm -hmm. I think that allows you to probably exist like below the radar in some capacity Mm -hmm. that like you can't like, yeah, I mean, I I don't know if, if you can sort of, I think you have to have like a commitment to not growing in some capacity or like a commitment to being okay selling out of product and not trying to make it like a sellout culture either. Like. Mm We used to joke and growing incredibly slow. Like 316 is what, like 16, 17 years old now? Yeah, and they don't rely on drop selling through on day one to to hit their numbers either. It doesn't seem like, you know, in a lot of ways. And I think that like because that's that's just that shit's unsustainable. And Mm -hmm. you know, like I mean But they do have they do have those drops occasionally that do perform like that. And you know, 18 East is like completely scaled back in, in regards to like how how that's selling through but still it's like some pieces do move quick and you know it's like you can actually shop the store now which is kind of cool or the studio space and it's like 316 is always shoppable like ald is tough because it's like a lot of those hitter pieces like are the stuff that catches your eye in a lookbook when they do those like and they put a, like they put a lot of money and effort into those lookbooks and like when they come out you're like oh that sweater's sick and there's like 14 pieces and they disappear in nine minutes and they were priced at three ninety five anyway. So it's not even like you got a shot at them. And there's like, I think there's like a, there definitely is like a popularity versus like production numbers or some shit sweet spot where it's like, it's probably easy to live in that area. But at some point, if you realize that like, you know, a few thousand people are querying a $400 sweater, that's so much money that you're leaving on the table. If you can't start delivering those in some capacity too, like, I think mm-hmm. like, the Probably what LVMH is seeing of like, oh, right. What if we could? You know, I mean, there's there's like a there's a plan to it. Like Adidas intentionally underproduced Yeezys in the beginning, and like you know, it was like for scarcity to to build up the market for them, and now they sit on shelves and stuff. But like, there's also just like, you know, I mean, I think you can only force scarcity for so long, and then you got to make your move if that's what you're doing. You know, otherwise yeah. people just get bored with you because they can't get the thing that they wanted ever. Or uh, they get bored with like the, you know, the notion of, you know, just, just doing that all the time, I think. We will, I guess, keep our eye on ALD and uh, congrats to Teddy and co. Yeah, hopefully the product doesn't drop off, but um, uh, we're all fairly jaded to know that this is how it works. Uh, I'll take a quick break here and we will be back with a wide variety of product to discuss. Reed, I think you, that's such a good point. Like about that poison brain about like making your money. Like, yeah, I just feel like everybody should just get their, you know, if you can, if you can get out with money, if you can make a profit in our society, just do it. Just take it and get the fuck out. Cash fucking checks. Like, LVMH, if you're listening, Heddles, everything is for sale. 
Go to uh, shop.heddles.com. You don't get 10% off with the code blowout. We're on a break, I think. I <laughs> <laughs> can paste this back in. I'm sorry if I cut you off there, uh, Albert, before you want to do it. I'll be right back. We live in a fast-paced world. Sometimes, you just need to slow down and stop. Heddles Plus. The noon membership program of exclusive content, giveaways, discounts, and a community chat forum. Try a month free with the code Extra Blowout. Welcome back to this week's edition of Product Talk, where we talk about product. We got a few things today. Leading off with the capital shaggy Melton Wool CPO sloppy shirt coat in black. Uh. Reed, I feel like this is the like platonic ideal of uh, your catchphrase, just belt it. <laughs> just belt it. You can just belt it. Yeah, we used to, like, I remember I've seen this, like, not the one in Melton Wool. This is the first time I've seen it done in that fabric. But this shirt is very cool. But it is, like you're really towing the line of like, I look like I'm wearing dad's shirt and dad's loafers at age two walking around the house, like being like, I'm going to work, you Mm. know, like it, like you're, you're walking a fine line and it's like, it's not always clear where, where it starts. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I've seen some, I've seen some interesting moves made with that shirt. It's never been, it's never been for me and I like a big shirt. This is just like when they say like big shirt, like they, I guess they call it sloppy shirt coat. Now it used to just be the big shirt. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, they were not lying. Like it, it would fit Hagrid clean. I, yeah. It's interesting. A lot of like old CPOs fit like long, like, like kind of like that, but not as insane. So you could, there's a, there's a pretty easy way you could obtain that look without going full child in a big shirt, Mm -hmm. (laughs) children on top of each other, going to an R rated movie. Like a lot of those old CPOs also the, the shoulders are super far apart. So they do kind of fit like this where like half of the, or a third of the length of the sleeve is before the shoulder seam. But I'm a big fan of the oversized overshirt. I'm wearing one that's a little bit oversized now. Um, and the point where it does kind of look like a skirt or a dress, where like the, the, the hem goes like decently below the crotch of whatever pants you're wearing. Mm-hmm. So I think though, like the, yours is oversized. Yeah, this like- one's just big. Yeah, like this is this looks like like when uh like that Vizvim. The, yeah, I was gonna say when he did the giant yeah. shoe at Visvim mm-hmm. and when he did the giant pants and jacket too. Yeah, you know, like it's just like this looks like it was like Andre the Giant came in in nineteen eighty four and was like, Give me give me CPO shirt. Exactly. Fabric looks nice, but uh, you get a lot of bang for your buck with this one because I feel like you could make two shirts out of it if you wanted to. Or one regular size shirt and like some leg warmers and maybe a, a sweatband. Next up, we got the Vague Watch Company Everyone Explorers Automatic Watch at uh, Clutch Cafe. 
So this is just a this is a knockoff Rolex Explorer. That's they they say it in the copy of like this is a Rolex Explorer that we remade. Um, but this one it's it's got a Japanese automatic movement, all the accoutrements, the original, but it is six hundred dollars instead of six thousand. How do we feel about this vis-a-vis a Rolex? You know, like a uh, compare that to say like warehouse jeans versus some Levi's five hundred ones. Like, is like this still feels a little bit weird to me of like, oh, it's just a knockoff Rolex, whereas a pair of warehouse jeans or studio to artisans or anything like that is just a pair of knockoff Levi's. I've been parsing through how I feel about it because I I wrote about I wrote about the Clutch Cafe lookbook for the our new releases, and I saw that and I just assumed it was a real ten sixteen reference. But the thing about that reference is it would be just such a pain to own that Rolex. Like it would be so old and I would be so nervous to wear it. Like, you know, it'd be, it would be one thing if Rolex, like Rolex doesn't really re doesn't like if Rolex did reproductions of their amazing classic pieces, that would be one thing, but it's like Rolex, Rolex watches just kind of get more bloated and overly glitzy you know, as, as time goes on and there are fewer of these kind of like elegant, delicate timepieces that they used to make. So I, I, I kind of fuck with it. And it's also so small. It's 34 millimeters, which is actually smaller than the, than the Explorer. Mm-hmm. So I know it's weird, but I kind of fuck with it. I just wish they, it wasn't called vague watch company. It's like, you know, VW. They're making watches now. Do you guys remember that like Cat Williams green suit comedy special when he was like talking about a Chrysler 300 and he's like, everyone's like, it looks like a Bentley until you pull up next to a Bentley. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of feel like this because it's like a pretty much like a one-to-one, you kind of avoid that. But then you have to explain to someone who asks if it's a Rolex like that's the only bummer is that you have to like do this like whole long thing where they're like, I really like that watch. Is it a Rolex? If they like say like, if it is just like carry on. Cause I'm with you, Albert. Like, I really like the fact that this thing is like, I mean, it's not the Rolex, but it's essentially a Rolex for like $645. Like an Explorer. And yeah. it's like, it's a good it probably size. Keeps better time than the original fifties. Yeah. It's got an automatic yeah. movement. Like, you know, like, it's a Japanese made movement. So it's like, at least like you're dealing with like a pretty solid piece of hardware there. And yeah, it's $645 compared to like you said, $6,000. And as Albert said, like not an ancient thing, like it is like the value and like the appearance and everything is sort of there. It's just like, it's one of those things that like, it sucks to explain like regardless of how you kind of want to attack it, if that makes sense, where it's just like, you could just like pretend like it's just like its own watch, but then it's like, does this dude not know about the Explorer? And then you're like, I really like, I mean, you could do the thing. Like, I feel like Albert's it's like, that was, that'd be like the best way to own this thing. Right. Is to be like, I really like the Explorer. I really wanted one. I tried to figure out a way to do it, but I was like, also maintaining this thing is going to be a pain in the ass. And then I discovered this one that was basically everything I wanted in it for a 10th mm-hmm. of the price. And it's like, here we go. But then you also have to start talking about the price of your watch, which is like, this thing looks expensive. You kind of want to get credit for like having a nice ass watch. You don't want to be like, no, actually it's very accessible. And so, yeah, I feel like this thing is like kind of a beautiful contradiction. Well, 
you know, the I mean, that's like why I bought the Black Bay 36 was this exact thing. And the 1016, the this like the vintage like 50s and 60s Rolex, those cost at like minimum 17 grand and they go for more than that. It's like it's a modern it's a modern explorer type one that might be 7k, you know, 7k minimum. So it's like you're getting a like you're get it's it's something that I think is just out of reach of most normal people. So in that regard, it's like yeah, it's like what was I going to do? Spend 40 grand on this old ass watch i don't know that you can't get parts for and rolex won't service and yeah yeah, <laughs> if yeah. You, yeah if you like breathe on it wrong it's gonna start to rust from the inside yeah yeah it's like that that's the the contradiction i guess as you're referring to here reed as well is like the explorer was designed as a tool watch for explorers to go and like wear it underwater and do things with but now the it's become so much of a commodity it can't be that anymore so this thing, like this clone, is so much truer to the original spirit of the watch than what the original one actually still is, or anything that Rolex produces anymore, even. Yeah, I mean, I think if you do it like as a timepiece, right, then it's everything you want. It's like all those like Game Boy emulators that are like, have you seen the Pocket? The thing called the oh, Pocket? Oh, yeah. Um, it's like it has all the Game Boy games like preloaded onto this thing. And it's like the exact you can like switch between displays for like Game Boy Color and Game Boy Regular. And it's just like if all you care about is just playing the Game Boy games, then like and you don't care about like the nostalgia factor, et cetera, then like do that, you know, it's mm-hmm. like but if you care about like the actual artifact, then it's going to then it is going to bum you out. Like for sure, it's going to bum you out. You're going to want the real thing immediately if you were in it specifically to own a Rolex Explorer like like you it's it's not going to be that for you because it doesn't have a logo but like if you're in it for the tool then it's perfect it seems like to me yeah it's just so completely divorced from what the watch was originally made to do and yeah it's funny is like uh, the one that my dad got that i wear now he bought in 76 uh because he was doing like oil exploration in southeast asia and he needed a watch that was waterproof so he bought a rolex that had the screw down crown for $300 and was like, okay, great. And then a year later, Timex came out with a $50 watch that was also waterproof. And he was really pissed off that he would have rather bought the Timex. And he stopped wearing this watch. uh, Yeah. Like after about 20 years, cause he didn't like getting it serviced. It was too expensive. And he bought a citizen eco drive, which he still wears now and loves way more than he ever loved the Rolex. I, and that's why I, you know, I fuck with Tudor, so much more than Rolex today in modern times because you know I mean the spirit it's still like not it's not like it's not the price is still high for what it is but it's so much closer to like the original mission statement was to make these like pieces that were really durable and affordable and compare like you are getting the exterior of a Rolex and just for like yeah a tenth of a fifth of the price a sixth of the price and it's and the only thing that's different is like the movement and you're probably getting a cheaper movement that everyone can service not just like a really delicate finicky rolex movement that only rolex can service so it's going to be cheaper forever and it's only like a real watch nerd who'd look in and be like oh well that's like an off-the-shelf swiss movement and not an in-house you know so and like that i don't care about that so much so <clears throat> I say buy this ripoff Rolex. Yeah. I'm also intrigued in maybe getting this one for like uh, traveling in a lot of weird places 
is like oh. wearing the the one that's my dad's. Like I'm gonna be so much sadder like losing this watch because it was my dad's than it being mm. a Rolex. We're just having something like that and being like, hey, um, okay, you want my watch? Here you go. I have no <laughs> emotional attachment to this. It's <laughs> it's six hundred dollars, which is you know a decent amount of money, but also like someone who's mugging you like might think that it is a Rolex in that like quick exchange, and then you can get away. <laughs> it's an insurance policy. It, the design of this watch is like I think my like platonic ideal of a watch, you know, just like the way the hands are shaped and the little Mercedes thing and the little lollipop seconds hand, gorgeous. The dome crystal, beautiful. Okay, moving on to something uh, just as classic and just as classy and reaching uh, new heights of design. We've got hikers, hikers co. The original hikers co. Uh, which. Is suspenders you wear underneath your shirt. Hikers are made to be worn under your shirt as an undergarment. Um, when do you want to describe what we're seeing here? There's suspenders. There's suspenders that attach to your button fly and your belt loops in the back. Huh. So you don't need the the clip portal. They're big. They're suspenders for normal, like modern pants, but they. Uh, they go up the, the center of you. So like you're rocking like this like center stripe that goes over your belly button and then around your shoulders to split in the back. So it's basically reverse suspenders in a way. Um, they are the coolest accessory you could own un- undoubtedly, like aside from maybe, maybe the union suits that David is, is into. Um, I mean, you could pair them together. You could. You could over the top of the Union suit, I suppose. They're designed... You could put the one in the front button of the Union suit and one in the back butt flap button of the Union suit. You could hike your Union suit. Yeah, so they make a big point about uh, that they're made to be worn under your shirt as an undergarment, not over the top. So don't, don't you dare purchase these with the intention of wearing them over your shirt like some fucking Urkel wannabe. Um, these are, these are explicitly undergarments, David. Um, I feel like you could wear it over your shirt though and look like, I don't know, some street tough from the fifth element or something like that. Or just like you bought some like hood by air piece from 2011. Um, <laughs> like this is very rumble in the Bronx extra of you to wear. <laughs> yeah. Right. But no, that's just, that's with, that's with no, no shirt on and maybe just like a pair of Lululemon leggings that are <laughs> cut off at different lengths above the knee. <laughs> hmm. I'd like to read some uh, excerpts from reviews here that we <laughs> have. Uh, R. Vincent says, useful, five stars. I'm glad you came out with a wider hook. I wear my hikers with all my pants except sweats. I have some pants with wider loops. This solved that problem. Thanks for the update grade. Nice. They're pulling in a few reviews a day. <laughs> Emmett Robichaux says four stars, much better than belts. Nice concept, easy to put on, not so easy to take off for bathroom visits. Four stars. <laughs> William Larson's is my favorite so far from January 6th, where he said, wheel, wheel me, made, will not break. <laughs> wheel made. Five stars. And then Harold Gregory followed it up with his own hammer, where he says, I recommend hikers. I am pleased with this product. <laughs> just mic drop uh, though after that daniel wickstead works well thanks <laughs> these are men of few words who were, who rock the the this, <laughs> this great piece. product I love holds to up it. my jeans great without anyone knowing i have them on 
<laughs> Who's the? I love this 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 community of men who are so self conscious about suspenders, but so deeply love them. Best purchase of twenty twenty one. I was frustrated with my pants falling while I was walking the dogs, grocery shopping, etc. And hikers solved the problem. This dude's best purchase of twenty twenty one. Feel like it's a rough twenty twenty one, but you know what? Glad he found something. David Emmanuel. They are doing what I had hoped they would. Five stars. <laughs> They're not doing what I wanted. <laughs> they have a mind of their own. <laughs> wow. Uh, this one makes me feel kind of bad. Uh, my husband has tremors and able to wear a belt. These are truly a God sent product. Thank you so much for this. Why'd you have to get, why'd you have to make us feel bad? Yeah. Yeah. Now we're, now we're feeling bad. I just, <laughs> This went from something we could just like chide people about to something that's like truly like an access issue. And <laughs> yeah, well, well, first, <laughs> oh, that's first, hikers. First non-movie um, uh, mention of tremors on the pod. Truly, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Bacon in a pair of these. <laughs> Need one to keep those pants up in that yeah. movie. That's how Fred Ward, you had that under his <laughs> uh, his tank top. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's, uh, that's about it for today. Uh, if there's anything that you want us to talk about, whether a topic of conversation, uh, like a news happening, or uh, a way to keep your pants up, you can email us at, what is our email address, Reed? Blowout at heddles.com. Thank you. And Albert, uh, what have we got new in the Heddle shop? I'm so glad you asked, David. We have um, the second drop of our limited edition uh, Randall's Wrangler and Heddles uh, jeans. Um, now Wrangler condoned. I, I, I sort of. Sort of. I mean, they sold us the pants knowing that we were going to do this to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, not explicitly, maybe implicitly condoned. Um, and then we have three new styles of Stan Ray. We have the uh, original Fit Fatigue in a khaki twill, a woodland camo ripstop. And then we got the um, black twill painter's pants, but in the original Fit, that wider fit in case the first run were a little too slim for your tastes. And lots of other cool stuff coming. Restocks in the works. Um. Yeah, good stuff coming your way. All right, and you can find all that at shop.heddles.com, 10% off with the code BLOWOUT at checkout. All right, thank you very much for joining us, and we will catch you again next week. Bye-bye.